You're listening to 2, 5, and 10, your source for bullshit-free NHL news, analysis, and insights. Now, here are your hosts, Kevin Naughton and Ben Stewart. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Not again. Yeah, I learned a game from William Wesley, you can never check me. Back to back for the niggas that didn't get the message. Back to back like I'm on the cover of Lethal Weapon. Back to back like I'm Jordan 96, 97. I did another one, I did another one. You still ain't did shit about the other one. Got the drink in me going back to back. Yeah, going back to back. I got the drink in me going back. 15 seconds. Pop into the corner to the right of Vasilevsky. Comes out in front. It is cleared as time winds down here in Tampa. Five seconds remaining. Puck retrieved by Petrie. Lightning strikes twice. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 112 of 2, 5, and 10. There was the call right there of the Tampa Bay Lightning striking twice and winning the 2021 Stanley Cup. Benny, what up? Yeah, so, one, I'm very happy we played that call versus the Lightning radio call. We kind of talked about it before we started recording about how horrendously brutal, whatever adjective you want to use to describe Dave Mishkin uh, the radio guy, he's fucking horrendous in Tampa. Um, but the last was the last call, possibly of Kenny Albert doing uh, hockey on a national broadcast, which is a shame because I think he's really good. Um, but yeah, Tampa Bay Lightning back-to-back Stanley Cup champs, first time since the uh, Penguins a few years back, and then before that was the Red Wings uh, way back uh, in the late '90s. So. Montreal full short again, and Canada full short again, and what's the drought going on since 93 with a uh, Canadian team winning the country? 93, so that's what, 28? Yeah, 28 years, so almost a little more than halfway there to uh, the Rangers' 54-year Cubs drought. <laughs> I mean, looking at it now and going back to it, is this really Montreal falling short? I don't think anyone put them in this category in general with where they were with the season. They were the underdog in every series, and now, you know, they quote-unquote, they lose the Stanley Cup, even though I I don't think they had a chance against Tampa. But now it's like, in retrospect, looking back, I mean, I I think it's a great season for the Canadians. Oh, yeah, great season, like a Cinderella run. I think once they toppled Vegas, people really, especially... Uh, Canadian fans really started buying in. Like, if we could beat Vegas, why can't we beat Tampa? And then Tampa showed, like, yeah, we're not Vegas. <laughs> so that was handled pretty quickly. Um, I don't know if you saw the uh, social media post today, but Brendan Gallagher gets home and realizes that he was robbed. <laughs> and he's like, nothing like uh, the crushing defeat of losing the Stanley Cup and then coming home and no- discovering that you've been robbed. And, and you know what, too? That, that happened to. Uh... Rob Gronkowski, last time he was a Patriot, they were in the Super Bowl, and you, you want to talk about something, like, more disgusting, like, I don't know if Brendan Gallagher has a significant other, or any of that, you know, or if he's just a bachelor living up there, but can you imagine, like, uh, the utmost, like, kicking the stones of, not only did you go and you lost the Stanley Cup, and you're already fucking on a downward spiral, but then you get home and all your shit's robbed. 
Yeah. Like, hats off to you, Montreal fans and the people of Montreal, because that's fucking disgusting. Hey, they knew he was 3,000 miles away, so they felt pretty comfortable. Well, no, I, I agree with that. They, they say most of the robberies that happen are people that know you because they know you're not home. Yeah. But, I mean, fuck, man. The, the, this guy just goes, lays it out on the line like, this is Brendan Gallagher for you. This is your heart and soul of that team, and you're going to do that to him. Like, I'm pretty sure he wasn't a hockey fan, to be honest. He probably just knew he was gone, and he's one of the most recognizable guys besides Price and Weber on that team. And they're like, oh, yeah, he's probably had some good shit. Uh, yeah, um, I was like, oh, he gets paid pretty well. Let me just go make sure he does. Yeah, and then going back to Tampa, um, I think maybe not on a score sheet, per se, but the fact that Kucherov played in all five games was not even a liability. Cr- still created offense. Um, didn't miss a shift, pretty much, after that injury against the Islanders. Like, I, we always talked about, like, Kucherov is a tough son of a bitch. And we were saying, like, there's no way he's going to uh, miss the game. He's game-time decision against Islanders plays. I didn't think he'd be as effective in the Stanley Cup final. One of the toughest guys keeps his head down and then the post-game press conference shirtless calling Igor Larionov, his idol. Like, star of the league, and I know he's Russian-born, um, and he doesn't have the most American-sounding name to, for a marketing campaign, but the fact that more people don't know who he is. Same thing for like a guy like Malkin, like, nationwide for casual fans is a real big disservice to the sport can i just ask you i had sent you the text and obviously you knew we were going to talk about it here but is he the best player in the game i mean he missed eight months he he came back like he didn't miss a beat there there was no rust at all and not to mention too he was the points leader in the playoffs not by one or two he was 10 points ahead of everybody yeah the leader in the clubhouse like I don't know how this guy doesn't get more recognition. Like I said, obviously he had this, the hip surgery and he was gone. But like, fuck me, man! Like to come back and play the way that he did, and the only reason why he's not the Conn Smythe winner is because Andre Vasilevsky is that good. But like N- Nikita Kucherov, if he has to be, <laughs> what are your top five? Is he in your top five? Yeah, he's top five. The only issue for me is, in terms of, I always look at it, if you're talking about best player in a game, is if you're starting a team from scratch, who's your pick? And a center is always going to have more value than a wing. Like, if Kucherov is the center, he's the best player in a sport. Um, I know he kind of commands and controls play on, on the wing like a center traditionally does. But top five, so it's Kucherov. Um, McDavid, McKinnon, Hedman on the back end. Um, like that fifth spot, I like to leave a little wiggle room. It's it, it rotates between like Drysidel, Panarin, and Marchand for me. Okay, so so a little bit of everything, but he, yeah. he's there. Like yeah, I just he's top, he's top three. I would if I'm building a team, I'm taking him ahead of McDavid. Uh, well, well, that's where I was getting to. I mean, th- this I'm guy McKinnon ahead of Kucherov. Like, this guy, like, Kucherov fucks, man, and hardcore. Yeah. He's just, he's battle-tested. He plays through pain and injuries. He really got his temper under control, which 
after all these years, Malcolm still hasn't done so. Um, because you remember a few years back, he was just losing his shit on every shift whenever he was touched and taking bad penalties. Yeah, he was going nuts. Yeah, he's got that under control, which I really feel like elevated his game and elevated Cooper's trust in him to put him out there at, in any situation. But, yeah, he's... That's the thing. I think Eddie Olchek said this in the broadcast. The Lightning have four to top ten players in this sport on the roster at the same time in their primes. Kind of a crazy thing to hear, huh? Yeah, so everybody's talking about the cap crunch, which they will be suffering from because they're going to start losing some depth guys through free agency and then trades and the expansion draft. But even when, like, I would, in my head during game five, I was like, okay, take out Killorn. Let's say he's claimed by Seattle. They trade Johnson and they trade Pilat, and they lose one of Coleman and Goodrow to free agency. And I built out their top. 12 forward group, it's still the best forward group in the division. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, because they have plenty of young guys. I know like a guy like Mitchell Stevens isn't proven yet, but you look at but the, 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 goal, that Ross Colton but, looked pretty yeah. good. Yeah, Ross Colton, Matthew Joseph looks good, so they're not going to be hurting too, too much. They might lose a little physicality, but, you know, retain Pat Maroon. Um, the back end, you have plenty of depth there. Uh, I mean, you have Sergeyev plays in all three pairs. He just looks around all game long. Um, plays left side, right side. You have McDonough, who, former Ranger captain, like, really happy seeing him win. He's, I think he's played the most playoff games in the, in the sport since 2011. Um, he's played a full, two full seasons of playoff games uh, in his career. Back-to-back Stanley Cup champ. He's gone to... Three Stanley Cups, six conference finals, two of his teams have won a President's Trophy. Um, and to be honest, when he won a cup, he was really emotional in that in that pile. I, I think for him this year, th- this was a big one. I mean, it, he doesn't show up in the score sheet every night, but Ryan McDonough easily could have been the Conn Smythe winner for them. All the I shots he blocks. In the playoffs. Oh, I think so too. I I, I agree completely. I. I the block shots, the outlet passes, like he looked incredible. And what we always say it in like a joking manner, except we're not joking, is that when's the injury coming out? Well, like you know, yeah. in a day from now they're gonna say he played with a fucking broken leg or something. Like yeah. just the, the guy's a warrior. He's battle tested. He's there every time. And that's the thing. I I I missed him on a Rangers back end. The Rangers had to trade him because there was no way they were gonna give him just under seven million a year for six years. It was probably going to have to be more because Tampa got him for that because the state income tax is non-existent in Florida. Mm-hmm. So he he's the type of guy in his style of play where the last few years of that deal might be a yeah, bad... If he's playing. Yeah, bad shape for Tampa. But when you get two cups out of it, who gives a fuck? But just seeing him make the plays, like he's going to retrieve the puck as his back turned to the four-checking forward and he just makes a few deeks or slides underneath the check and carries the puck out. Small plays like that that really stand out when you go to non-playoff teams or even look at the Rangers and a lot of their defensemen outside of Adam Fox or Keandre Miller did a good job of this in his rookie year, but they get the puck and he just chip it up the boards, chip it up the boards, chip it up the boards. There's no puck possession. There's no time of uh, transition. It's just up the boards and seeing a team like Tampa who has McDonough on their second pair um, is 
uh, it just shows you the gap between where a team like the Rangers are and where an actual Stanley Cup champion is. Like, there's a large fucking gap. <laughs> so, yeah, I, it was nice seeing him get emotional. Um, Vasilevsky, best goal turn in the sport right now, plays almost any game, never gets hurt. I know it's a huge cap hit, but worth every penny. Um, you never hear a peep out of him. Like, I don't know, franchise, best goaltender in the sport, like I said. And I think he takes that reign. He's not the type of goaltender who's a two, three, four year. Oh, he was really good then. And then he just kind of starts his decline. He's going to be like a Carey Price, Henrik Lundqvist level 10 years. Is he the best goaltender in the game conversation for a decade? Oh, yeah. I mean, he's only 26. Yeah. And they got him through 27, 28. So, I mean, yeah, yeah he, he's doing all right. The last thing I want to say, and this is going to the Montreal side, I do feel bad for Shea Weber and for Carey Price because at this point in their career, they're likely never getting back to the Stanley Cup final unless Price is traded at some point, like a Ray Bork-type situation. Uh, so I do feel bad for that. Like I said in the cup preview, like going through the whole situation with Lundqvist being the best cold ender in the sport and in franchise history not winning a cup um, really sucks. So if you're a Price fan, kind of hurts even more seeing him get there and not pull it off. Guy like Gallagher who puts his heart on the line. I don't know if Montreal is going to be able to make it back to a cup final because they would have to go through Tampa just to get there have to go through Boston, have to go to the, through the Islanders just to get there. But the thing that sticks out for me in terms of moving forward next year and beyond, I am not a fan of Nick Suzuki. Really? Don't like Suzuki? I, okay. What about Caulfield? Caulfield's fine. He, like, because when he gets the puck, it's like you can see he's developing the play. Like, he's controlling the play. He's moving to where the play is going towards before the other guys in the ice know that it's going there. Like, I like... His, he's electric. You get the puck on a stick, and you're like, he's, you know, the, he's going to do something with it. The thing I don't like about Suzuki is he he's soft as fuck. Like, Charmin soft. At, le- at least in the last two rounds of the, of the playoffs. He doesn't hit anybody. He basically does a half moon whenever he's along the boards, like, on a forecheck. As soon as the puck is gone, just makes a half circle and skates away. Never finishes a check. Gets pushed off the puck easy. Gets knocked down. Wants a shift. Doesn't just he just doesn't physically compete. And I know he's basically like the number one center. But if you're building around Nick Suzuki and then trying to go on deep playoff runs, especially when a lot of your other forwards are on a smaller side, Josh Anderson. Holy shit! Did he stand out in the Cup final? just with his speed and hitting ability. I don't know if he's ever going to be a 30-goal scorer, but he'll play for me any day. But Nick Suzuki, I, I'm not a fan. Like I, If they had another uh, Cookie Nami or whatever, if he actually developed into like a strong 2C, I would consider selling Hans Suzuki if I was Montreal this summer. But they just don't have the ability to do so. No, because they don't have anybody else behind them. That's... Yeah, that's the issue. Like I just I'm, unless he develop listen he's super young maybe he he's going to be developing that aspect of his game I'm not asking him to go out there and be Barkley Goodrow but he's got to develop something otherwise I don't see him as like oh he's our a top center on a cup contender I mean 
21 years old, still on his entry level, so there could yeah, still be room to grow. He's got time, but holy fuck, did he not play physical at all? Like there, I wanted to record some of the plays of sideboards, like the like McDonough was skating up along the sideboards, approaching his own blue line, and he want you can tell he just wants to get it to the red line and dump it in and go for a change. Suzuki is coming across the center ice dot, the circle. McDonough stops at the red line, and Suzuki just peels off and skates into the defensive zone. Like, hit him! What the fuck are you doing? Like, don't run up through the glass, but fucking hit him. And one thing, at least with this Montreal team, going into this offseason, it could be a completely different look for them, at least up front. Uh, Corey Perry, Joel Armia, Philip Deneau, Eric Stahl, Thomas Tatar, all UFA up front. And then they have Kokanemi and Lekkanen are both RFA. So I, I think that's going to be uh, – I mean, Corey Perry played a big role for them. He, he, he was one of those guys that he, he stuck to his guns. He was the worm through and through. If they lose Armia and Deneau, they're fucked. They're not coming back anywhere close. Yeah, Armia, he's going to have to take a little bit of a take hunt maybe because I know he has size and speed, but he's not developing anything. It's anything more than like a solid – um, I know he's making like 2.85 right now in his deal. Maybe he gets bumped at three, but I don't expect a big period there. Dano, I don't know if I want to pay him if I'm Montreal what he might get on a market. Like he's so one-dimensional. Oh yeah, no, he's definitely going to get paid, especially for the defensive game that he brings. He brings you that Patrice Bergeron-esque, and this year he was yeah. getting. Three two five. I could see him at four and a half. I'd see yeah, four and a half, five. Like, yeah, I see you five times twenty. Um, just because of the flat cap. So like, I see four million a year for five years. Maybe Montreal does that, but when you're paying them that much money, that's basically. uh, I don't know, man. Like, Brian Strom is paid a little more than that, and he's putting up sixty points a year. Let's say for his year this year in 53 games, he had 24 points. Last year in 71 yeah. games, 47. The year before that in 81, 53. It keeps declining. <laughs> keeps declining. And, I mean, even in the playoffs this year, 22 playoff games, one goal, three assists, four points, dash one. Yeah, Deneau's the type of guy that goes to a team that's a, a legit cup contender and serves as, like, the third-line center. And I think that would be perfect for him. But yeah. where are you willing to pay a third-line center, you know, 4 or $5 million a year? That's going to be tough. But I think the other part of it is a trade deadline team or an acquisition, of like, you know, for a last year. Say he signs a one-year UFA somewhere, go there, play a year, and then get dealt at the deadline to a contender. I think that's where he'll be money. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I pretty quick Stanley Cup final like we thought it would, it would be. I'm going to have joking. Who has the ability to stop Tampa from be- repeating? Assuming everybody's healthy, they lose a couple guys up front. Like, I don't see a team... I, I know, like, any, anything can happen, especially without knowing what, how teams construct their roster over the summer. But you got to go into it assuming they're like heavy, heavy favorites to at least go back to the final out of the East. Like maybe Boston 
Like, I don't see another team in the East. I think Boston has a chance, depending, like you said, how the offseason goes. If we think it's a certain lineup we're going to have, I think there's a chance there. Um, I think the Islanders Islanders. still have a chance. I mean, Anders Lee would be back, so that's another thing. Yeah. I would love to see another Tampa-Florida series, just to see if Florida could finally get past them. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that, that was a great series. I just... I honestly don't know as to uh, who can overtake them. I mean, even when you look out west, I really like Vegas, but I still think they're a little flat through the middle, which is going to hurt them. And, I mean, they're up against the cap, which is going to kill them too. The only other team may be Colorado, but even then, I mean, Colorado in the postseason the last couple of years are still very unproven. Yeah. And then – it starts getting to the point where does Tampa when they won a cup last year, it was in the bubble. Um, you know, they re they kind of rebounded from that huge upset against Columbus, so they were kind of like the even though they were super talented and loaded, they weren't the oh it's Tampa. I hope they lose. And now they be- go back to back. If they go to the cup final next year, I gotta assume every t- every fan in the league except Lightning fans are like. Fuck no! Please don't let them win again. I, I mean, I, I think you always have a target on your back, but yeah. Then if you go back to back like they did, I think that completely changes everything for you. You brought up who you think you could beat them, and I, I brought up the Avalanche as one person, but I'm looking at it now, so I have to jump around because the ADD does not let me just think in one spot. Kill McCarr RFA. What's he looking at for a deal? Minimum eight and eight. He has to get the Shabbat deal, if not more. So the thing is, I read an article that was talking about this, saying a lot of RFAs that like McCarr that would normally sign like long-term big money deals might hold off on that because of the flat cap and because the teams are like, listen, we can't dedicate that much cap next year to your deal. They might sign like a two-year bridge deal for cheaper, knowing that once January 1st comes around, they can sign their long-term extension, and it doesn't count against the cap this year to help with their team building. So they might sign like a, if I'm a car, I might sign like a two-year, $10 million deal, and then halfway through the deal, sign my eight-year, what, nine million a year, eight, nine million a year deal. But the other thing is, is he is he a true number one guy? Like, you look at Tampa, Headman, McDonough, Camel Carr. Like, I don't know if he's. Uh, I don't know. I'm. I, I'm. No, I'm coming off of shitting on all these young guys. But I don't know if you win a cup of Camel Carr is like your true number one, two way offense and defense guy you can put out against like Kucherov. Well, I I think you're just looking at it as uh, the same thing that had happened with Drew Doughty, where. You get very excited in the beginning because he's up and down the ice. He's going all over the place. And then, boom, you sign him to big money and just not yeah. really a factor. Carlson. Ugh, don't even get me started on the Carlson deal. <laughs> but, yeah, so they might you might see a few more short-term deals for guys that normally would get, like, super, like, the max deals um, as we shift to free agents. 
I don't think anybody's going to offer sheet, even though it's, if it was if it didn't happen last year to Braden Point and Sorelli and all these other guys, it's not happening this summer. So if you're a fan out there going, oh my God, flat cap Colorado might not be able to match, you'd have to sign him to like a seven-year deal, twelve, thirteen million dollars a year up front for like the first five years, poison pill it, and it also means McCarr would want to leave Colorado, who's a cup contender. If he leaves there, that changes that whole dynamic there. <laughs> but, I mean, speaking of Colorado, just one other person that is, interestingly enough, still UFA there, the captain, Gabriel Landeskog. And no extension was reached. Yeah, and, I haven't seen him going anywhere. Uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, I Let's this is on, on Boston's third line. Th- yeah, I mean, we, we can't afford him for the, <laughs> for the hit that he's worth, but... I will say this on the other end of things. I mean, well, I got you guys shit and coil to Colorado for Cadre, so and I would do that in a heartbeat. At least fucking Nas puts it out there. Char- Charlie's been fucking MIA, but uh, this year for Landeskog, uh, salary of six point five. He had an AAV with everything of five and a half. My thing is this: Gabriel Landeskog is. The utmost professional of professionals, guy can be a Lady Bang winner every year. I think that hurts him. I think he's very soft. Would you see with a proposition he's a player at this point? Uh, I'm just saying with the proposition of a trade and for you know the role that he plays. Do you think an in division person like St. Louis would go Tarasenko for Landeskog? So, like a signing deal with Colorado? No, like say Colorado trades them at the draft because you're not in free agency yet. Oh, yeah. Well, now on the topic, Vladimir Tarasenko has requested a formal request to the uh, St. Louis Blues to be traded. Yeah, I mean, that's been a long time coming with the shoulder fuck-ups. Mm-hmm. I think that's the other thing, too. I think he's damaged goods right now, so... I think St. Louis... times. Yeah. Um, no, the first yeah. two times, I, I don't think we're him. I mean, the, you get that many shoulder fuck-ups, though, and it's like, is it you? Is it the doctor? So which one is it? Yeah, I mean, according to Tarasenko, he wasn't happy with the first surgery, so then they had him going for a second one, and the second one, the guy didn't clean everything up either. Um, that's what I was seeing. But you got to pay better orthopedics. Like, <laughs> but the thing with Tarasenko is, if you're St. Louis, you're not getting a return for him like you would have four or five years ago, especially with the shoulder concerns. You don't know what type of player he's going to be when he comes back. Is he going to be a 30-goal guy? Is he going to be a 15-goal guy? Um, is he even going to be able to play a full season? Is he going to be able to finish out the current contract? I think... Like, if you're trading Landis Cog for him, that's a huge overpay. Um, if I'm St. Louis, you're getting, like, a, a third-round pick this year and a conditional third- or second-round pick next year, and that's what you're getting. Or, like, you know, like, B-level prospects. Yeah, see, if I'm St. Louis, and part of it is as to what the return I'm getting, I think people are going to be like, hey – Fuck, this guy's cap is seven and a half for this year and next. Like, yeah. we got to work yeah. on numbers. Um, I, I always throw out names out there just to get your goat a little bit. But 
hey, maybe I'll take Coil for Tarasenko. <laughs> and at this point, yet again, I take that. I just Charlie's been killing me, man, killing me. Um, I don't think they trade him in a division. I don't think they care about him being in a conference, but definitely not in a division. If they choose some cap and they get him down to like five mil cap hit, and you're looking at a team that could can either take him as like a lottery pick where if it works out it boosts their team and they if it doesn't work out it doesn't kill them because they don't have all these huge expectations great or you're looking at a team that's like listen we have a little bit of cap space we need one more guy who might be able to help us on the power play and give us some like additional scoring in our top nine you kind of narrow down that list i like la dude to be honest they got plenty of cap space. They, they, they could definitely make that there, happen. And if he works out, he works out, accelerate the rebuild. If he doesn't work out enough, fuck, you gave up a couple picks and you're back to where you were. Yeah, but can you imagine it goes up there, works out, him and Arvidsson? Yeah, and that's the thing, connecting to Arvidsson. What a stupid, stupid return Nashville got for Arvidsson. I'm not saying he's like a franchise forward, top-line forward, but he's a big-time contributor and, like, a nice role player that you can put with any star player in the top six, or you can help drive playing in your third line. I mean... Signed to a pretty good value deal, and they trade him for a couple mid-picks. And the worst part, too, is the fallout that happened afterwards. Those guys in Nashville were not happy. Philip Fersberg comes out, and he puts a thumbs down. Uh, Matt Duchesne comes out about how Oh, was it Matt Duchesne or was it Ryan Johansson? No, it was Johansson. Johansson comes out. out. Oh, yeah, they both came out. So so they were both not happy about it. Like, you know, miss you. So it's like, now, was David Poyle trying to make a statement to wake this team up? Or... You went about it the wrong way. Holy shit. Well, no, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, everyone says, you know, business is business. This is a business. Okay. But now you have your superstars in that lineup pissed. Like, like they're not happy that he's gone. Obviously, you know, they can voice frustration. But you think right after they saw that Poilie's on the phone with Forsberg, Johansson, and Duchesne saying, you know, what the fuck's going on, guys? Yeah, I mean, it had to happen, like, almost immediately. As soon as they saw that, there had to be a conversation. The issue here is those are your leadership guys. Yeah, that's and- what I'm saying. There's a void in that room now time between yeah. at least the players and management. Yeah, and those guys, if they felt comfortable enough to broadcast that, means two things to me. One, this was the straw that broke the camel's back. They were frustrated, annoyed, pissed off, whatever you want to call it, before this. And then this happens, and I go, oh, what the fuck? You know what I mean? The second thing this means to me is, if they felt this comfortable saying it as the leaders of the team, what do the rest of the guys feel like about the situation in Nashville? Because these guys are probably speaking on behalf of the guys that don't feel comfortable speaking up or can't speak up, which means this Heinz already lose the room. This Boyle, has he lost the room? Are they heading? Are they going to trade Ekholm this summer and then lose a the guy in the expansion draft? And then it's uh, they're like stuck between going forward and a rebuild because of the contracts and you know what I mean? It's like a really awkward situation. They don't have goaltenders right now. So I don't know what's going on in Nashville. Yeah, I don't know what's going on in Nashville. I, I do think that this is my own personal opinion. I don't know if Seattle will bite, but I do think Nashville's gonna leave Duchesne exposed. 
I don't think Seattle's going to take on the rest of that deal. That is eight for one, two, three, four, five more years, eight million a year. No. And I mean, Duchesne hasn't done anything this year to prove. And maybe that was the other frustration in the sense of some of the other guys of, hey, RV was on a more than a team friendly deal at four and a quarter for the what this guy does. That is a fair deal. I don't think I don't think the team's getting shafted in an overpay. I don't think he's getting shafted in underpay. Like I think that's a great deal all across the board, no matter where he goes in the league. And now it's like you have the guys who are the superstars above him, like Philip Forsberg, yes, in a heartbeat. Joe Hansen, yes. Duchesne, who's gone there and done nothing, voicing displeasure. Like, see you later, pal, you're exposed. But then if he comes back to the room after, it's like you said. Is that room already gone? Because that could be a real, like, this team, in the sense of players and where they are, okay, say they trade Ekholm, too, so now they've opened up some cap space. That'll be about 8-4 in cap space open. Are they going to go for somebody else? Are they going to get a couple of role players to kind of fill a void? Because they need someone to fill Arvidsson's role, maybe even two guys to fill his role. Because, I mean, he, he scored 30-goal scorer in the league. Yeah. So I, I think there's some work there that needs to be done in the Music City. Yeah, and, and I don't see, like, it's just looking at their photo group, the career path of Duchesne, like, I know he's had a few good years here and there, but holy shit, like, if he gets exposed, and let's say he is playing by Seattle or he's traded elsewhere before the season starts, what is that, his 15th? Ottawa, Columbus, Colorado. Oh, Colorado! I forgot about Colorado. Yeah, Nashville, and then uh, next team would be five. Let's see. Let's see here. Yeah, Colorado, Ottawa. Yeah, Um, Colorado, Ottawa, Columbus, Nashville. Yeah, next one's five. And then, if when it comes to the expansion draft, I know they want to protect Fabro. They're going to protect Ellis and Yossi. So that's three right there. Which means they need to protect seven forwards. I don't know why. Maybe I'm missing something. Because I haven't spent too much time going over the national expansion draft situation. But why did Poyle come out and say, like, I hope to make another deal, side deal with Seattle in advance of the expansion draft. I don't think they need to. The only thing I can think of is... Maybe they're worried about Seattle coming after their RFAs. And, I mean, you got Fabro there. You got Ily Toivonen, who's taking a little while to develop, but I think now he's at that spot. And then the other, well, they were going to protect UC anyways, UC Saros. But, yeah, I think they need to figure out exactly where they're going. I mean, if they don't protect Duchesne, Johansson Forsberg, Colton Sissons, probably Luke Coonan, uh, Yarn Croak Toivonen? Like, I, I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't get well, that either. I don't know why they would need to send another thing with Seattle beforehand. But, yeah, I really like that deal on LA's side. Um, perfect guy to play with Kopitar or move down a lineup and play with some of the young prospects. Maybe I would put him on a wing with uh, Velarde to start the year. Maybe that helps get uh, Gabriel's game going. Um, I just... Can, can I ask you a question? Just, you know, we're talking about the Kings. I like the fact that you can put him anywhere and he's going to succeed. 
going to the Kings, I mean, we're obviously going to cover the expansion draft before the expansion draft next week. Do you think Seattle takes Jonathan Quick if he's there? Or do you just think it's too much money? Because, I mean, it's only, I, I say it that it's only, it's only 5'8 for this year and next year. And you don't know which, you know, Jonathan Quick you're getting. But then you could also, depending on who's, you know, protecting and who's not, you could come out of it with Olimata. So for me, Seattle can take, I think, seven goaltenders in the draft, the expansion draft. Stockpile goalies and ship them back out? Exactly. Take them out, and then right before the draft, you don't think Carolina might like a run of Jonathan Quick? Okay, great. Give me a first-round pick. Like... So we don't want to deal in that way. Because if you remember, Vegas took uh, Calvin Picard and GF Ruby in the expansion draft, and they never played a single game for him uh, because of Flurry. Then he moved those two guys. So I wouldn't, we're going to do the expansion situation next week, do like a little mock draft type deal. But I wouldn't put too much stock if you're listening to what the roster for Seattle looks like the day after the expansion draft. It's, that's not going to be the roster that starts the year. No, I, I would go after probably the actual draft and then free agency. But Yeah, after, after the week of free agency, first week. It, it, you brought up goalies, and, and one other one I'll touch on before we go somewhere else is, I mean, Braden Holpe, you, you know they're going to protect Thatcher. Yeah. I mean, he's only one more year at 4-3, and then he's UFA. So, I mean, w- wouldn't be a bad goalie to pick up there either. Yeah, I think if you're Seattle, you want to follow the Vegas deal of you don't want to start off with like a 20-year-old goaltender or like a journeyman as your goaltender in your first year. So maybe you take a quick and you keep them. You take Hopi, you keep them. Then maybe they take uh, Drieger out of Florida and they, that's their goalie tandem in their first year, which isn't too bad. That'll get you somewhere. Yeah. And speaking of the expansion draft, Rangers made a big move today to allow themselves to protect Colin Blackwell in the expansion draft. They re-signed Brett Howden, my favorite Ranger, Brett Howden, to a one-year $850,000 deal. They basically signed him just so they can leave him unprotected <laughs> um, and be able to keep a guy like Rooney or Blackwell uh, covered in the draft. Um, the fact that they went out of, their, out of their way to sign him before the expansion draft so they can leave him unprotected shows me if he's not claimed, he's getting dealt anyway. So um, the Rangers, they're not going to really be losing anybody of note in the expansion draft. So just like against with the Vegas thing, they lost Oscar Lindbergh, and it turned out A-OK. So luckily, again, the Rangers are still in that situation where they happen to choose to rebuild where two out of those years, they don't have to worry about losing anybody in the draft. God, life is good for you guys, huh? Yeah, <laughs> we're like, oh no, we lost Oscar Lindbergh. <laughs> Shift him out, son of a bitch. He knew he was leaving. Um, the other thing I know we wanted to touch on was the accident that happened over the 4th of July weekend uh, in Michigan. Uh, Columbus goaltender, he played a few games with the Blue Jackets last year or two, and it sounded like if they traded one of their... Corpusaro or uh, Mr. Luskins in the offseason, he was going to probably be, have the inside track on the number two job. But Matisse uh, Kivlanik's uh, died in a 
firework accident. Apparently, they were in a hot tub, and one of the mortar shells fired off the wrong way, and it hit him in the chest, and he basically died and went to the hospital. Uh, so, young kid, promising uh, career in the National Hockey League, and it seems to have devastated the guys in Blue Jackets. Like, they love that kid. Um, and the fact that it was at Manny Legacy's house who uh, looked at him as his son and happened in front of him. Um, uh, who else was there? It wasn't Corpus Allo. Uh So Elvis was there. Um, the Blue Jackets organization is really taking it hard, and I know he's not like a, a household name for a lot of fans, but just brutal news, and if you're a team like Columbus who is pretty much going to be rebuilding and retooling, to have this kind of hanging over you is pretty shitty. Yeah, I mean, as for what you said, I mean, Columbus's off-season moves were kind of going to be based around this kid. They thought he could be a you know a backup, if not take a starting job from uh, Mazurka Lens or Corpusalo. So now their whole off-season is, I don't want to say in the dumpster, but it, it, it's gone. Uh as for the accident, I mean, absolutely tragic. And, you know, you heard the first rumblings as to he had fallen and hit in his head, which is the reason of what had happened. And then, you know, you finally get the autopsy report that it was indeed the firework mortar shell that hits him in the chest. And that's actually what caused all this. Like, awful. Yeah. Awful. And Brad Larson, who was promoted to head coach just a few weeks ago, apparently... He drove on his own. Like, as soon as he heard the news, the team didn't... There was no consultation. There was no, like, hey, maybe you should check in on it. He basically got in his car and drove all the way to Manny Legacy's house to be there for him uh, and uh, other guys that were there and a few other players kind of congregated there. Um, so I think that's a, a good look on Larson's part. And it's unfortunate. It's shitty. And... It's not in any way glossing over what happened, but I think that's going to go a long way to developing his role as a leader of the team in a locker room with the guys that are there. Yeah, one other thing about Larson, too. They said during his introductory press conference that there was about four players there. One of the players, too, was actually Patrick Laine, who was the player that got into him the time when John Tortorella ended up benching him during that yeah. third period. So I'm assuming with them, it's, you know, water is under the bridge. And who knows, maybe Larson, when him and, you know, him and Larson went at it, Tortorella was the one who actually made the call about Sidham, and maybe Larson was in his corner saying, no, you know, we're, we're both fiery guys, and, you know, arguments happen on the bench, and he was in his corner. So, yeah, good for Brad Larson, and, you know, awful thing that happened, but hopefully this is a turning point for him as a head coach and kind of, bringing his team together. Yeah, so... I know it's a kind of a somber way to kind of wrap up some of the topics we want to discuss in this episode. Um, time flies. So this is our third Stanley Cup champion that we've crowned on this podcast. Um, we're moving into our fourth off-season. So, by now you know the drill. We got... well special this summer we got the expansion draft which we're going to talk in depth next week about um then we'll do an off-season preview for the rangers and bruins the following week and a full free agency preview 
we'll talk about the draft, any the deals that are going to be going down or they, they go down to the draft. Um, and then from there, it's just a matter of it's going to be a short summer, another short summer, and then hopefully kicking off on time and on schedule in September for training camp and preseason, kind of getting things back to normal. And one last question before we sign off here I have for you is at this point in time, now with back-to-back championships under his belt, is John Cooper the best coach in hockey? I figured you were going to ask something because you're always on his dick, but... <laughs> I love Coop. I love Coop. Um, I mean, we've talked about this before. It's him or Shots as the best coach in hockey right now, right? I'd say him. I'd say Q's definitely in the conversation. I'd say you got to put Sully up there, too. Yeah. I think those are like the top top five coaches in the game right now. It has to be Cooper in no order. Cooper, Trotz, Quenville, Sullivan. I still like Baruby a lot. Um, but yeah, I put those guys up there. I mean, if you're talking about regular season success, DeBoer's always up there, but... Yeah, we've seen the way those postseasons end, pal. Yeah, well, and then after... Few years from now, we'll be talking about Galanta as maybe the best coach in the sport after three peating as the Stanley Cup champ in New York. I can't believe it's going to be awful too. When you guys are going to have like, <laughs> we got to find another head coach parade going down Sixth Ave. It's going to be fucking <laughs> awful. But uh, do you have any shout outs this week? Shout outs this week. Um, Big Kev, Big Kev just had a birthday, so shout out to Big Kev. Um. Shout out to the Tampa Bay Lightning, Stanley Cup champions, back-to-back. You know what I just had? And um, it, it was, like, completely – it was good. I was very surprised. So I went over to Sierra's house, and I left, and Stephen's like, hey, try one of these. And it's a Dr. Pepper and cream soda, like, mixed together. Pretty, pretty good. I mean, I, I can, like, feel it all, like, sitting in my stomach. Like, I'm probably bloated right now looking about, like, three months prego. I mean, it was pretty good. Yeah, um, blood sugar level is, like, four times. Yeah, time. exactly. So, you know, I'll be buzzing tonight even though i got to go to work tomorrow morning. And then uh, another big shout-out, I guess I should say, is um, the Strat Daddy completely blows me off. Just, you know, my heart is broken into a million pieces. I'm not even going to say the words that... You know, you would think I would say in public on this podcast, because I'm not going to compare you to certain people, but I, I just want to just say m- my heart is crushed. And, you know, maybe hopefully this week I could see your face. That's all. Uh, off to you in New York, Ben. Leaving you some blue balls there. Huh? Yeah, he did. He, he tickled them and then he ran away. <laughs> um, shout outs for me. Uh, the first one is to my brother. Well, one of my brothers. Uh this is my brother, John, in Florida. He just got a new position as director of automation for a brewery and distillery that's based in New York. So he's going to be moving back to New York in September-ish time frame. Uh, so we have so, a booze and fucking shine hookup? Yes, Holler at a player when you see him in the street. John, you up, baby? <laughs> So I'm actually going to be gophering around for him while he's in Florida as he's looking at houses. And I'm going to be the guy going to the houses and talking to the agents and taking videos and photos. And basically, he, he obviously grew up in New York, like I did, but he hasn't been in New York since 2004. 
So when he got the offer and everything, he called me. I was like, so what neighborhood should I be looking to buy? Here's where the brewery is located. I'm like, you don't want there. You don't want there. You want here. <laughs> so, but it'll be nice to uh, uh, have him up in New York when he does come up. And then lastly, uh, shout out to the Cobster who got spayed yesterday. Mm. Um, she has the cone of shame on her head, looking like a little martini glass. Uh, but she's doing all right. And hopefully this next week to 10 days goes by quick as the cone off back to normal uh but i was talking to you how i can never be an actual real father because of i was like nauseous the night before this surgery i felt terrible that i was going to be making her feel groggy and sore and pain and i was like oh god i can't even imagine having like cam or emma and some like them just getting like the cold i'd be fucking losing my mind (laughs) (laughs) i can tell you well i i can tell you this it does not get better. Anytime it happens, it's always a uh, a heart wrenching thing. You're like, oh my god, is it this this time? Is it that? It's yeah, yeah. Your mind always wanders. But yeah, those are my shots this week. And you know, I know you love the, the World Junior Championships, but you know, I love hypothetical offseason moves. So next week's episode, it's going to be my kingdom with the expansion draft. Oh, uh, one other shout out too. Uh, Shout out to Coach Cunny, uh, our old boy from Worcester, who's actually back in Worcester. He is the uh, head coach of the ECHL Worcester Railers. But, uh, oh, nice. Congrats. He, he was there, and he was uh, coaching at the uh, USA Hockey Select 17 camp in Buffalo. Those kids are going out to play in the uh, Gretzky-Halinka tournament. So hopefully Cunny put those boys in the right direction, and uh, you know, hopefully USA comes back with some uh, gold in the summertime. Well, you know for a fact that if he was involved, they're going to have a pretty damn good PK. <laughs> that's for sure, pal. That's for sure. But that's it for me. And we'll probably get back to you guys with the expansion draft episode. A little bit of quick over turnaround, maybe like midweek next week, um, and then lead into the offseason shit. I like it. I, I want to know who's going to be exposed, pal. I'm always exposed. I, I found that out the hard <laughs> way. But... Everybody, thank you as always for listening. We will catch you next week for off-season trade acquisitions and draft and all that other good stuff.